Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com slash give. Enjoy the message. Welcome to Timberlake Church. I'm Ben. I'm the lead pastor. So glad you're here. We're in this uh, season of December in this series called Finding Home. And really what we're doing is, is a couple things. One, we're just leaning into the season because there's something about this season where we want that sense of home and belonging. And I hope that you find that with God maybe uh, for the first time. For many of us, I think it's more a renewed sense with God. And then how we live that out is with uh, each other, because we're going to have the opportunity, hopefully, to connect with some great family and friends uh, during this season. If you don't have family and friends in this area, we, we really want to be that uh, for you. A lot of exciting things happening in the month of December. Well, I, I was thinking about uh, growing up and just all the, uh, the gifts that, that we would get uh, growing up. One of my favorite, like video games, by the way, those were different back then. Yeah, you remember the original N- Nintendo? And sometimes you had to like blow on it. It recognized your breath. And uh, it, it, would be, it would be great. Uh, now, there's other uh, times where we get gifts that are a little less, less appropriate. Reader's Digest uh, did a survey of some of the, the worst gifts that people had received from their family. Uh, number one, a book of etiquette from my mother-in-law. <laughs> I like this one. A used spatula. A fifth of whiskey, even though I'm an alcoholic, not so good. I got my own Christmas gift back the next year. A turquoise mankini, I am 60 years old and weigh 250 pounds. Yeah, now that, that would be a little bit challenging. And we often think of Christmas as a time for us uh, to, to receive and to give. But oftentimes we don't think about that in the, in the truest sense of the season, and that's spiritually, that God is up to something in our, in our lives if we will let him. One of the great uh, verses this time of year, uh, and if you'll take your outlines out of your program, uh, that you might be familiar with if you're a church person, is this, and it talks about the coming of the Messiah. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign, behold, whoa, I got a sign, all right. The uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, the, uh, the 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 Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and he shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that's really my hope is that we will experience God with us. Here's here's some of the uh, the challenge though is that as as we want God to be with us, it forces us to confront maybe our struggles and even our sin. Luke 2.11 says this, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And we need a Messiah to to come into our world to, to make things right, not only for humanity, but for us personally. 
Now, the hard part of that can be is, is what does that mean, and especially when it comes to the miraculous. We say here at Timberlake, no weird stuff. That's one of our, our, our taglines, and uh, what, what do we uh, mean? I'm the only thing that's allowed to be weird here, and so the, uh, what do we mean by no weird stuff? Well, what we mean is that we want to get rid of some of the ritual and the things that maybe historically are important, but they're not biblical at all, and really just get in the way of, of us connecting with God personally. What we're not talking about is uh, God working miraculously in our lives. Because even though we can be uncomfortable with the miraculous, it doesn't mean it's not true. Have you learned that things that you're uncomfortable with uh, sometimes are true? And uh, in Christmas, and Christmas is connected to the cross, we understand that God has worked miraculously on our behalf. But there's some intellectual questions that come along the way, and I get those. And so I want to I lean into those uh, quite directly today. To, to help explain it, uh, we have to understand the point in human history we're in. We, we understand that with Jesus, God came into the world. It's the in inauguration of what's called the kingdom of God, God's reign and rule. That God has done something for, for us to be forgiven of our sins, for us to have a relationship with God. That He performed some miracles uh, even uh, back then and throughout history. But here's where we're not. We're not in that place where God has made everything right, all injustices have been addressed. The time when Jesus comes again, the Bible does say that Jesus will come again a second time and make everything right. And, and you might ask the question, wh why, why this gap? And the Bible talks about this gap. And it says in the Scripture that God is not slow in keeping His promises. He is patient, wanting all to come to repentance. And you may hear the term repentance thinking, okay, there goes the preacher talk again. Repentance, here's what it means, is I was going the wrong direction. Any of you ever go the wrong direction? Yeah. Oh, a couple men raised their hands. That's awesome. <laughs> Truly, the Lord is working in this place. Uh, so, uh, so, uh, you, and, and, but by the way, most of you men didn't raise your hand. Liar, liar, pants on fire. I just like calling you a liar in church. Anyway, uh, so uh, it just means that I'm, <laughs> we, we say, what's the point? There's no point in that. But uh, it means we are going the wrong direction, right? And what do you do if you're going the wrong direction? Okay, this shouldn't require anyone from the Mensa Society. <laughs> I turn around and I go the right direction. Why do I do that? Okay, I'll help you. Anyway, uh, <laughs> because then I get where I'm supposed to be. And repentance is you, you say, well, I'm trying, to, and God will let you try. You can try anything you want to. This is America. God will let you try anything. Now, it may destroy your life, and God will allow you to do that. But you know what? He, he says, I would just invite you to change direction, and you'll find me at the end of it, at the beginning in the middle, and you'll find that life starts to make more sense. So when God says He wants you to repent, 
That's, that's mercy. That's mercy. And, and here's where Christianity, if you uh, study comparative religion, is significantly different than other religions and worldviews, and they're not even of the same character because it's all God-initiated. It's all, it, it means that no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, you can come back to God. And so, here's the problem with that. The problem is even though God has done miracles and can do the miraculous, and I know some of you don't believe in miracles, so I'm going to talk about that. And you say, well, I'm just, you know, too scientific or intellectual. Actually, uh, I want you to lean in more scientifically and intellectually. I think oftentimes people really don't follow science to the logical conclusions. It's not your scientific, it's not your scientific enough. And so, but what I want you to understand is that God can work miracles, and that matters for human history. That matters for you right now. That matters for me. Now, here, here's, here's the problem, though. This doesn't fit in my worldview. I don't, you know, uh, normally every day, and there's a reason why, uh, uh, you know, I, there, there's not a, uh, a miracle that will happen. Sometimes there are. And guess what? This has always been a problem. Jesus, when he, when he rose from the dead, one of his closest followers, one of the top 12, uh, he didn't get it. And In fact, now, now check this out. He didn't get it, and there were already dozens, there would later be hundreds of witnesses in a city smaller than Everett, Washington, and so there would be over 500 people. They were probably only counting the men. It was a patriarchal society. So basically, if every one in 100 people in Everett had seen it, okay, that's pretty overwhelming, and yet he was still struggling, and God's okay if you're still struggling. We read, now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And I think there's that struggle. The struggle of, God, what does it mean for you to work miraculously? Do I have to check my brain at the door? I, I, I would argue not. So, if, if God is a creator of the universe, and in fact, it's sort of cool. I mean, if you, uh, and, and I've talked about this before, you know, they used to believe that the earth, that universe was just always how it was, everything was eternally existent, uh, came up with a big bang theory. Uh, Non-Christian scientists hated it because it pointed to a creation event. And so, we understand that, that something began, and then God has set things in order. Things usually happen a certain way. But if God created everything, could He not, if He chose, step into the natural order and just for a moment reorder things? And that's what He does. That's why miracles are not repeatable. If someone says, well, I've never seen, you know, a miracle happen a couple… No, you're not going to because it's God using His power on, on your behalf. In fact, I, I remember when my wife my wife had a couple strokes, and uh, she, which sounds uh, horrible, it was, but she's fine, fine now. And, and I mean, they were the bad kind, like out on the floor, can't talk, half, half your body can't move. And then uh, by the time the paramedics showed up, uh, she, uh, she was okay, and so they misdiagnosed her, all of that kind of thing. Long story short, she ended up going to the hospital. Uh, once they did, did the MRIs, they said, hey, you know, 
go now, call an ambulance. And uh, the neurologist, so not, not the philosopher or the theologian, the neurologist said, uh, oh no, this should have never happened. This could only be a miracle from God. And, and, and it was interesting that she was an intelligent woman and she, she knew the limits and also knew where God could intervene. And so with that mindset, and we could talk about that forever, or at least I could, that's sort of what I do for a living. And the, uh, 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 I want us to tackle some of the miraculous events around Christmas, because I want you to be fortified in your faith. Don't, you, you should be strong, not, don't, don't shrink back. First, there's a virgin birth. That's one. That often, I don't believe in the virgin birth. I have people say that all the time. And you know what I always say? Hey, good news. Joseph didn't believe in it either. He didn't. The Bible records it. He says, Mary, you're out of here. That was his response. And it took an angel from God to speak to him. And, and every, you know what, I, I love reading. By the way, be careful of like the shows you watch about Christianity. And uh, because oftentimes people are, are, will be represented as, as scholars that are globally respected. And they're not. If you look at the two billion Christians, you know, they might even teach at a good school, Harvard or Yale. But, but the vast majority of the two billion Christians do not honor our, uh, their work at all. And so they'll, but I've heard this before. Well, and, and it's ridiculous. Well, ancient people just didn't know how this worked. I'm like, I don't care if you teach at Yale, you're dumb. Because <laughs> uh, you know what? They know how this worked. And, but literally, people will say something like that. No, the whole Bible, no one believed in the virgin birth. But God, see, see here's, here's what God was up to is God becoming flesh, and it's a miracle. Never happened again, by the way. I know other people have tried that. Hey, virgin birth happened a second time. No, it didn't. <laughs> happened one time, and, uh, you, you, and, and people will say, well, how essential is that? Uh, but our theologians can argue it, and, and uh, really, uh, I... I I, I believe it because I believe God can do anything. Uh, what's essential is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, absolutely. But see, I think sometimes what we do is we think that God has to shrink his intellectual capacity to ours. He has to shrink his power to ours. And that's called hubris. That's how you ended up with Greek and Roman mythology. And instead of saying, no, if there's a creator God, then there's some things that I'm not going to be able to. Uh, to comprehend. I had a, uh, a guy I knew uh, before I pastored a church in Kingman, Arizona. If you're new around here, you may have not heard this. I haven't talked about it for a while, but I pastored there for three years, and it gave me 30 years worth of stories. And uh, had any of you ever been to Kingman? It's where you get gas and smokes on your way to Vegas. That's basically what the town exists for. <laughs> and so uh, we were there. Uh, it, it was interesting because I was at a transition point. 
uh, I, was, I felt like God was calling me uh, from my church and was offered actually a, a pretty decent-sized church in Phoenix, Arizona, become their lead pastor. Uh, but I didn't feel like that's what God was calling me to do. In fact, I felt like God was not calling me to live in the nice part of Phoenix, that God was calling us to pastor a church of 37 people in Kingman, Arizona. And do you know what my wife said? I can't repeat that kind of language in church. The, uh, uh, but she did say to me, you've got to be kidding. And so part of this story is uh, we were there and we go into a, a development. There was actually a pretty decent real estate development there. And uh, as we met there, we, we met the guy who was, who was running that development, selling those houses. Uh, by the way, this will make, you want to feel really bad about life right now? Well, I'm going to make you. Uh, the, uh, so, <laughs> that's a rhetorical question. Anyway, the, uh, but three-bedroom, two-bath, two-car garage house in a, a pretty decent neighborhood, $69,000. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> you say, what is that? It doesn't have anything to do with anything. But so, uh, so we were there. I met that guy, and I told my, my wife, I said, you know, with the churches in this town, I'm not sure anyone is ever going to reach a guy like that. I met him the second time when our church had, uh, God bless this little church, it actually started to grow, grow, and we needed to build a new facility, and there were some rezoning issues, and we had to go before the city council, and uh, he was the city council president. Found out he didn't like churches very much, didn't like Christians that much, and so we lost the vote in the city council. And uh, so then I prayed, and he died the next day. No, that didn't happen. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to see if you <laughs> believe me or not. <laughs> well, we actually, uh, we <laughs> you're like, he's harsh. Uh, actually, we, we, we became friends, and, uh, we, and over the time, he started to come to church, and uh, eventually... Uh, became uh, a follower of Jesus Christ. And by the way, we won the next city council vote. Just saying. Yeah. So if you're having a hard time, just lead the city council to Jesus. That's my solution. <laughs> I tell all the pastors. So the, uh, and, and, and I asked him, I said, you know, why at this point? And, and, and he said, he said, you know, honestly, in my life, things have come easy when it comes to you know, I got in the college I wanted to go to, I did well at sports, did well in business and politics. But when it came to the things of God, I didn't feel that smart. And so it was easier just to reject it than to engage. And he said, and you never really made me feel dumb. And so I felt like I could take that step. And, and my goal for you is that you'll be in that same place. Where, where you'll say, you know, hey, I might not know, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have enough humility to engage. So virgin birth, that's obviously a difficult one. Second is evil kings. Uh, that's not so hard to imagine. <laughs> and uh, they're, uh, Herod, by the way, if you were going to uh, look at some of the scholarship around this, people who are so-called scholars uh, a century ago, they would have told you Herod was, did not exist. There was no historical record. They were wrong. Uh, guess what helped us? Archaeology. Tons of records around Herod, king of Israel. And in fact, we even know the nature and how Herod is described in the Bible 
We can, you can look from secular, non-Christian, don't even go to any Christian sources. But people were saying, no, there was no evil king back then. Well, that part at least we know. Uh, babies in barns. Uh, and, I, and I think this is where our understanding, uh, more, we're more globally aware, which I think is a very positive thing, and uh, that there are places in the world where things are a little more difficult, and that was uh, in ancient Israel as well. There's also prophecy. Uh, there are 300 prophecies around uh, Jesus and his life. And you think about that, you know, prophecies seem weird, right? Because we think of all the ones that uh, didn't happen. <laughs> like, like I, I was looking through some of my old notes, and I forgot what year it was, like 2016. It said the world was ending on December 21st. And so if you came that year, I'm sorry because I didn't prepare well for Christmas Eve that year. Uh, the, uh, and then there was 2012, the Mayans, the world was supposed to end, and then Y2K. And we're, you're, you're used to it not happening. So I get it. But these 300 prophecies were fulfilled in the life of Christ, and the argumentation can go this way, and I get it, but I do, I do want you to engage a little bit on this, is, well, Jesus, knowing these prophecies, he simply fulfilled them in his lifetime. When it said that he would come on a donkey into Jerusalem, he just got a donkey, and he would come into Jerusalem. Well, it's said in the Bible that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, and how could he arrange that? He, out of his control, Right? It said what family he would be born into, how could he arrange that out of his control? And so there can be some argument for that, but there is a limit to that. And, and prophecy in itself is not meant to be the end all, but it's a supporter of our faith. And then there's the incarnation, that God would become flesh. And, and so, I, you know, you wonder about that. When I first became a Christ follower, I didn't know anything about the Bible, never really read much about it. And, and so God becoming flesh sounds sort of odd. But, th but then as you read the Scripture and understand, if we want a, a Savior, and this is what the Bible says in, in the book of Hebrews, we have a high priest who can understand our needs, who, who's with us, yet was sinless, so fully God and fully human. And so, so what's the big deal about miracles? You're like, okay, I, if, there is, if there's a God who can create anything, the universe, he can probably do anything. Not a logical stretch if you believe that. And so here's the key understanding, that God can do miracles so he can do a miracle in my life. See, this is where this, it's not just about having a more fortified faith, and I certainly hope that you have that, but it's also about saying, God, I'm open for business for what you would do in my life as well. So what I want to look at is how Christmas miracles can give us everyday hope. One of my favorite scriptures, I usually preach on it at least every other year around Christmas time, uh, and it's, it says this about the coming of the Messiah. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And I love what it says there because it's so encompassing of really what we need. We need wisdom, the wonderful counselor. We need strength leveraged on our behalf, that's mighty God. Everlasting Father, the, the idea that we are part of a family and, and that we are accepted and loved. And Prince of Peace, that no matter what the anxiety and the stress that I'm going through in my life, that I can have peace, the peace that passes all understanding. So as we look at, 
at this and what we find in this Christmas season in finding home, as I called it, for skeptics, doubters, curmudgeons. What does it mean for me if I say, okay, I, I, I'm willing to be humble enough to understand that God is God, God can do anything, it's not a blind faith, please don't have a blind faith. It's a step of faith based on where the evidence leads me. So what does it mean for me personally? Number one, it settles the issue of significance. Is, am I significant? Uh, I, we have people uh, every, who are struggling with anxiety and uh, just despairing. It certainly is not because of the economic circumstances in our country or, or any of the other issues. We, you know, we comparatively in history, there's, we have so much, whether it's health care or, or opportunity. But sometimes it doesn't matter how much we have. We wonder what is our purpose and who, who are we and what are, what are we here for? And significance is settled uh, really at the cross. It's, well, it's like this. Okay, Christmas time. You buy presents, right? And we would never, uh, hopefully you would not make this calculus, but you may. And uh, we, we spend more on certain people, right? So, for example, your boss, you might say, hey, I need to get my boss a gift. And my guess is you're not going to go buy the brand new iPhone 11 for your boss, right? Right? If not, we're taking two offerings today. Because uh, evidently you people are loaded. Uh, the, uh, but, uh, but no, no, you buy some nice gift. Who do you buy the I brand new iPhone 11 uh, Max for? Who do you buy it for? Yeah, yourself, right? Someone said your kids. You're the first, you're the first selfless person all day. Yeah, like literally, everyone else, every other service, me, me, me. And so, so value, we, we invest the most in that which is most significant. And so God did that for us when he sent his son. And so we understand that, that, that I can have, it's like my mom before uh, she passed away. She spent a lot of time in and out of the hospital, and uh, so uh, she, for long periods of time, and, and I would always go see her. It was always challenging around Christmas, the last couple years of her life, and uh, so I went on Christmas Eve before we did services, five services, and, and I thought, hey, I just want to go see my mom on, uh, on Christmas Eve. We, uh, I drove down to Tacoma, and I brought her some gifts, and she was so excited because in that kind of environment, a lot of people don't maybe have visitors or gifts. And she was so excited, uh, she wanted to tell everyone, and so she pressed the button that she's supposed to press if she's having a heart attack. <laughs> and the doctors are like, are you okay? She goes, I'm great, look at what my son brought me. And so for her, it, she was just so excited. And it's, you look at Mary in the Bible. We talked about her last week, didn't we? We talked about a uh, humble servant. But also she understood her value. It, it, when we, we see the song of Mary, uh, she says this, my soul glorifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. She knew that she had value because God was working in her life and on her behalf. It means, number two, that I can really belong, that I really can belong. I think every one of us wants that. Any, every one of us wants to find or maybe renew a sense of home with God and with other people. Because we all can have those awkward moments. 
I was with my wife uh, last night. We went to, uh, she works for a little tech company in Redmond and uh, <laughs> a not so little tech company, and they had the Christmas party. And so um, uh, she's talked, and so people know her, everyone knows her. She's well loved there, and, and uh, that her husband's a pastor, uh, which, by the way, it just drew the crowds to us. And uh, <laughs> I got to tell you, everyone, <laughs> there's lines of people to pray for. No, it was, like, it was like I'd go up to the food table and the parting of the Red Sea. It was awesome. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the drink line was a, a, a little long. So I said, Lord, will you call down fire from heaven? And then I got a coat. You know, it was wonderful. But there, there's all of this. And it was sort of interesting um, coming into that environment. And here's the truth I knew. Is it's usually people thought that I I would judge or reject them, and so they were just doing it first. And when they find out a different narrative, people were like, "Hey, it was it was a, it was amazing." And, and the truth is, you have an opportunity if you'll take it. I know you don't believe one, but you do. You just trust me on this one. That people have this narrative about God, and most of them they're never going to talk to me. But they're going to talk to you. And I would encourage you, even this Christmas season, to say, hey, I don't know if you're into the whole uh, Christmas services thing, but we, you know, do, do whatever you need to. Say, we have a great service, we put on a great show, whatever. Uh, because God will work through that. I know every year there are people who their eternities are changed because someone reached out. Maybe you're here today because that happened. It's not that we're going we're gonna to have a decent-sized crowd. That's not going to be a problem. But it's never been about the thousands. It's always about the one. And so would you maybe be used by God to help people who are trying to settle that issue of do I belong? In the Bible, if you were writing a religious story, this one's written all wrong, by the way, in the Bible. Because what you'd want to do is find the most credible witnesses to support uh, your claims. And so uh, God comes to Mary and Joseph, this young teenage couple in a, in, a, in a backwater town. And then God comes to the shepherds. And the shepherds uh, were not well respected. Just think about shepherds even today. It's sort of a, a hard life and, and it would you know, you're out in the field sort of unclean, and they were considered by uh, the religious leaders then spiritually unclean, so they could not participate in, uh, in worship at the temple. And in fact, people didn't usually chose to become a shepherd. They ended up as one that sort of was, you know, maybe you were born into it mostly, it's sort of the job that was available to you. And so shepherds were considered unreliable witnesses and uh, usually would not even be allowed to testify in a court of law. And so, understanding that, consider this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I will bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to who? To you. It's personal, and it's interesting because it goes from all people, all people. God's working on all people. That's great. He says, a Savior has been born to you, that God has not forgotten about you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Number three, it means, what does it practically mean? It means that I can let God deal with evil and enemies. 
There, there is. Remember, we're in this in-between time that we talked about that, where there is evil, there is injustice. It doesn't mean you don't work to make things right or you're a doormat. I am certainly not suggesting that. But ultimately, God will deal with that. Uh, if you're new around uh, here, if you've been around here a long time, many of you know uh, one of my one, one of my best friends, uh, Jose, great guy. He moved to Kansas. Uh, we're still pretty close. And I liked hanging out with him. Uh, and one of the, you know, sort of like even if like parts of town that you say, yeah, that's a little scary. Never scary for me when I'm with Jose. Jose is six foot five. He is a bodybuilder. He never smiles. Uh, he was raised in a part of Colombia that was dangerous. He spent five years with the LAPD in South Central and played football at the University of Miami. He is what we call terrifying. <laughs> he also carries a weapon most of the time. And so, well, why? It's like, okay, you know, when we're going through a part of town, why am I worried? Because I, I don't care. There's a gang member. He's more scary than they are, so it doesn't matter. And so I have this confidence, and it's not because I'm an intimidating figure. It's because of who I'm with. And if you're going through life and you feel like, I don't have confidence and I don't feel, well, how about the creator and the ruler of the universe, the one who would work miracles on your behalf? Would you allow him in such proximity in your life that you would have hope? Nation of Israel, by the way, for uh, the history of the Jewish people has not been a positive one. It has been uh, arguably maybe the most persecuted people ever in the entirety of the earth. I think certainly in our, our recent history we could argue that. And then the, the Egyptians had enslaved them for 400 years, and they're running away. And, and I love this verse. It says in Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you. You only need be still. Maybe for you it's a t time, to, time to stand up and a time to really argue and fight back, or sometimes there's that time where you say, okay, God, I just need you to leverage your power on my behalf. And for me, it's pretty easy when it comes to what's been done to me. I mean, we've all had these situations, you know, where, uh, where someone has said something or maybe uh, you, I talked to friends who uh, went through a horrible legal situation or maybe an unjust accusation or, or something like that. But what about when we bring it on ourselves? Because we all do. The Bible says we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Remember, sin, we miss a mark. Repent, we go back the right direction. We have to understand that when we find out inside ourselves, maybe uh, for you, you've done wrong and you struggle with asking for forgiveness. Maybe for, for you, it's going from relationship to relationship. And you, and you just seem to be in a pattern you can't get out of and it's not healthy. It could be a substance you're addicted to. It could just be the substance of anger. And God would say, you know, even when that, you find that evil inside of you, I will fight for you. You are not the enemy. Sin is the enemy. And I want to redeem you. Number four, it means I can choose peace even when I don't have all the answers. Let me uh, maybe ask this uh, a little more pointed question. Where do you need peace in your life right now? Where do you need God's peace? Will you say, God, even as I'm waiting, even when I don't fully understand, I'm going to choose your peace? 
Back to Thomas. I want to go through this uh, uh, quick. It says, a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them, though the doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, uh, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. He's saying those in the middle, those who are in this in-between time, where we get a sense of God's presence, we get the, the history and the reality, but maybe personally it's not happening yet. We have the opportunity to trust Him. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.